0: Good morning, Mosaic family. We're so glad you've decided to join us in worship this morning. If you're new to Mosaic, as a church, we exist to make disciples who believe the gospel, abide in Christ, and obey the word of God. If you'd like more information about our vision, or you want to get connected to the life of our church through community groups, or if you'd like to find an opportunity to serve, you can text the word Mosaic to 97000 and we'll follow up with you in the next few days. There are a couple of announcements that you'll want to take note of. Tonight, we will be having a night of worship here at the church building at 6 p.m. It's going to be a great time of singing and doubling down on our commitment to being the church in 2023. Childcare will be provided for ages birth through second grade, so we hope you'll join us. Also, next Sunday, directly following the service, we will have our first partner meeting of the year, and it is going to be one you won't want to miss. We'll have lunch together, and then our elders will share the vision and goals for the year, as well as some really exciting things regarding the future of our church. Whether you're already a partner of Mosaic or a regular attender hoping to make Mosaic your church home, we really encourage you to be there. And now, as we're about to enter into corporate worship, if you're concerned about having little ones in service with you, we want you to be at ease. We love kids and have a lot of them here. There are coloring sheets in the back of the sanctuary. Our kids ministry is always available to you. And we have a nursing mother's room with our service streaming live just outside the lobby to the left. Again, we're glad you're here. Let's worship Jesus together.
1: All right. Well, hey, good morning again. My name is Tad Anderson. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Mosaic Church. And uh, again, on behalf of our church, we do uh, welcome you. We're glad that you're here to worship Jesus with us today. And I just have a few announcements for us before we get into the Bible. Uh, The first uh, announcement is actually a celebration. It's a celebration of our First women's ministry gathering that took place this past week on Wednesday and uh, it went really great if you missed it the the ladies are going to continue on a rotation of meeting every second and fourth Wednesday of uh, of the month okay and uh, guys just a reminder ours will be alternating so we'll be on the first and third Wednesdays that means that we're up again men we're up again on this coming Wednesday and I do need to tell you guys that the men are currently beating the women by one attendee, okay? I know that's a slim majority, but that's pretty unheard of for the men to outdo the women when it comes to attendance at church functions, so let's keep it up. So guys who couldn't make it last time, this coming week, make sure to be there. This is your time to shine, brother, all right, so we can hold on to our title, all right. Uh, secondly, uh, uh, last week, if you were not here for service, we, we committed together to be a church family that shares the gospel and that invites uh, others to join us this year. And, and from here on, our, our gospel shares and our church invites will be on display in the, the tube in the back, the evangel tube, if you will. That's what I'm calling it. Uh, every time you get... <laughs> That sounded so dumb. I'm sorry. I'm not, I, I, I won't call it that again, actually. I changed my mind. But anyway, every time you get into a gospel conversation or you or a Jesus talk, right as we called it last week, or every time you invite someone to join you for church to hear the gospel here, you can drop a green ball into that tube. And the tube, it, it will take 200 balls to fill it. And as of today, I think we're getting pretty close to 15 already. And so with that kind of commitment level, uh, we're going to fill that thing up definitely before the end of the year. Uh, also in front of the tube, as you walk by back there, you'll see there are some invite cards. Feel free to grab a few if you like to keep with you. They have our service time and a QR code to our Facebook page uh, and things like that. Also, the backs of them are blank. That was intentional. Um, if you want to you know, jot your name and number, if you get into a conversation with someone, jot your name and number down there. You're welcome to do that as well. All right, So uh, that's why there's a big... Clear tube in the back of the sanctuary there. If you missed last week, the sermon's up on Facebook, podcast, uh, the Church Center app if you want to go back and catch it. So, uh, thirdly, tonight we are having a night of worship, and I'm really looking forward to that. It's at 6 p.m. So, when we would normally be meeting for a community group, we will uh, steer our focus to a time of corporate worship together here in this sanctuary. Uh, lots of singing, lots of encouragement, gospel encouragement as we wrap up our vision focus uh, this month of living on mission. There will be childcare for birth, ages of birth through second grade, if you'd like to take advantage of that. So we've really just tried to eliminate uh, any hurdle for you uh, to attending. We'd love for you to be there. Uh, so we'll hope you'll, we hope you'll join us. And last but not least, we are having our first partner meeting of the year next Sunday. And it will be directly following the service, so about about noon, and it's kind of a big deal. I made a big deal about it last week. Our elders are going to share our vision and goals for this year, along with some exciting stuff that our leadership has been praying about and trying to figure out for a little while um, and wanting to bring everyone in on. So if you're a partner here uh, at Mosaic or... If you're just a committed, regular attender, we want you to be a part of this conversation because, uh, frankly, if you're a partner, you committed to be a part of the conversation. But um, if you're thinking about making Mosaic your home church, um, this is a conversation that will be about future things, okay? So um, good stuff. So please plan to be there if you are able. Again, if you're not able due to travel or sickness or something legitimate, that's okay. Uh, We will catch you up very soon after that meeting, all right? So that's all the announcements I have. And uh, we have now reached the, the final week of our vision series titled, What Now? And we've been talking about the mission of the church from the book of Acts. And so uh, one final time, if, you're, if maybe you're just now tuning in, uh, the premise is this. That the church, from the moment of birth, has really had this singular focus that has continued over the course of you know two, two millennia right two, two thousand years and here 's the reality, regardless of of seasons and circumstances, what is next for the church never changes it 's always jesus 's mission uh, to be even more explicit, the mission i 'm talking about is the great commission given by Jesus in Matthew 28 and in Acts 1 to make disciples. And so we've talked about several crucial components of the mission thus far. First, we talked about community on the first week and how the mission we're on is not one that we can accomplish alone. We need to be doing uh, life together, meeting together, encouraging one another, loving one another, caring for one another all along the way. It's, it's always been like that. Uh, for the gospel community of Jesus' church. And even though we are living in the the social media um, post-COVID age, this has not changed, okay? Uh, Contrary to popular belief, there is no such thing as church online, okay? Uh, The the church has to gather physically to accomplish the mission that it's been tasked with. Um, The second week, we talked about Prayer, specifically prayer combined with fasting. And we identified from the church in Acts that uh, mission cannot go forward without prayer because it's only through prayer that we receive divine direction and power that's necessary um, for for pushing forward. There, There are some things, Jesus says, there are some things that only happen through prayer and fasting. And so if we want to be a church that's faithful on the mission, we had better be a church that prays. Understanding that, many of us are now about 14 days into a 21-day corporate fast, and I trust the Lord is using that in in your lives as you are participating as much as he is in in mine. It's a humbling time when we do that. But um, last week, we talked about disciple-making, which I already mentioned. Okay, disciple-making begins with evangelism, sharing the, the actual gospel with people who don't yet know Jesus. We, we established last week that that is our main thing, right? That's our main thing. Like, if we're not all out there striving, the best of our ability to make disciples and see more people come to know and, and love Jesus, then this is all just kind of a just a religious show, right? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to play church. I don't want to do that. If you're going to come to a Sunday service and a community group and a men's and women's, men's and women's ministry, then, then let's, not just, let's not just talk about faith. Let's, let's be about our faith um, as disciples called by Jesus. Um, and now finally, to conclude uh, this week, we're going to talk about serving from Acts Chapter six. But before we do, let's as always, let's let's pray. Father, as always, we praise you and we give thanks to you for Jesus. As we sang in in one of our songs recently, God, had He not come down to us, we would all still be rejecting you in our sin as opposed to this beautiful gathering that we have here of men and women who desire to glorify you and to live for your will. But God, today as we, as we wrap up this sermon series on the Great Commission, my, my prayer, as it's been in previous weeks, is that uh, we would not just shake our heads in affirmation of these core truths, but that, would, that we would search ourselves and see how we might grow in faithful commitment to them, in particular, serving. Lord Jesus, you you are our model. Though you were rich, for our sake you became poor that we might become rich. You came even as the Son of Man, not to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. Would that we would own that same identity as, as servants because you are our master and no servant is greater than their master but in due time you you have told us they they become like him we desire that for ourselves and that others who who look in would see our our loving service of one another and know for certain that we are your disciples and be compelled by the, the beautifully gracious community that the gospel forms. We pray all this in your name, for your glory, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, um, at Mosaic, you've probably noticed that we refer to our church body as a family. Mosaic fam, right? And we, we do that for a reason. It's not just because we think it sounds nice and, and sweet. It's, it's because truly when someone is saved and they begin following Christ, they are grafted in, if you will, into God's family. They become sons and daughters of God as well as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so uh, we very much desire for our church to operate like the most loving and caring Family, And I think that's what we've seen together about the early church in the book of Acts. Particularly in week one, we talked about what the community of believers looked like in the first century. Getting together, they were getting together and worshiping and spending time in one of their homes, eating and and praying for one another, devoting themselves to uh, be obedient to the words of God together. And so um, that is, in part, why we do all the things that we do, The way that we do, because um, that's the model that Scripture gives to us, and so we try to imitate it as closely as we can in our context, okay? But you know, um, if you know my biological family, then you know uh, we would culturally be considered a big family, right? Dad, mom, four kids, so six of us. We have the number of kids where we get told in the grocery store all the time that, we have our hands full. Or jokingly asked if we know how kids are made yet, uh, as though we've had four kids obliviously by mistake or something. And you know, when I was trying to make people feel awkward in return, like, no, we enjoy making them. So anyway, but... But anyway... So don't ask me that, unless you want to feel awkward. But anyway, when, when Amy and I first... Uh, got married. You know, we, we didn't have much, uh, a little two-bedroom apartment with a, a couch, a, a bed, a TV, a dining room table. And uh, early on before I was the pastor here, we, we moved a lot. Like um, every year or so we would move due to like lease agreements changing or uh, going into school or a new job or, or needing a, a little more space or whatever. And, and about uh, about the fourth or fifth Time moving. We 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 added on more kids, obviously, uh, and I was just like looking at all our stuff, and I was like, Man, like, where did all this stuff come from? Right, and more toys and more furniture and more just like junk, right? And um, all the things you accumulate as you progress through your twenties and into your thirties with a growing family. But the reality is, as a family grows, it it starts to need more stuff. Bigger vehicle, more, more beds, more clothes for the kids, bikes, scooters, shelves for the garage, a deep freezer for all the food you need to feed a small army, you know, and um, a dog, right? All of stuff a dog needs. <laughs> and so just, just all the things my garage is, is now full of. And the truth is, just like my family and, and your family grows, as they grow, right, they require more. The same is true of a church family, okay? And so I want to begin by reading a passage in Acts that we'll utilize for understanding the topic this morning. Um, As I said, it'll be Acts chapter 6, and we'll be starting in verse 1. If you'd like to turn there, scroll there, just watch it on the screen. Any of those options are fine. So Acts 6, starting in verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, uh, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distributions. let's pause there. So as you might know, when when the church was formed, it was composed of both Jews um, who had come to believe in Jesus as their long-awaited Messiah, as well as Gentiles or non-Jews who had just heard the gospel, heard about Jesus' resurrection, and they had trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior without having all the Old Testament background, right? And uh, as the church was growing in both Jews and Gentiles, particularly um, these Hellenists or people from the the Greek culture there, these Gentile widows, they they start to feel like they're being overlooked by the the support ministry that the church had committed to provide for people in their circumstances, okay? So um, a little bit of context there. Here's what it says in verse 2. It says, and the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So uh, the 12 refers to the 12 apostles who had walked most closely with Jesus, who were essentially, they were, they were now in pastoral roles uh, over the early church at this, this point that we're reading about here. And so they, they call everybody together, they call the whole church together, and they say, Look, Our job is to give oversight to the church and to to teach God's word, to uh, use biblical language, Ephesians 4, to to equip the saints for the work of ministry, right? And so they're saying, we don't have the time to stop doing what we're called to do and start going around to take food to all of of the widows, right? Not that that's a bad thing, but it's not the right thing for us to be doing. And so verse 3, it says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, Full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So they're like, listen, okay, we need to delegate and empower some solid brothers who will take the lead. On this important ministry, while we continue to do what we are tasked with doing, we we can't do it all. The apostles are saying uh, we can't do it all. But if the church will work together, then we can make sure everyone's being cared for in all of the ways that they need to be cared for. Verse five, it says, "And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip." And Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So, uh, so they give these guys the responsibility of serving the needs of of the widows. But perhaps there were other roles that they would fill uh, as well on an as-needed basis. If you've ever heard of the term. And deacon, this is a key text that we see for the explanation of deacons. Deacons are essentially believers appointed by elders to serve in important roles over different ministries in the church so that those uh, who are pastoring can continue to be effective in teaching and praying and uh, leading the congregations that they oversee. Okay, and so uh, then final, the final verse here, uh, verse seven, we see the resolution. It says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. In Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So here is the overarching principle that I want us to drill down on today in regards to serving. Okay, as with the other principles that we've laid out in this series, uh, it's simple to understand, but it requires a great deal of genuine commitment. So so here it is. As a gospel community lives and, and grows on mission together ministry needs arise and are met as the individual members serve one another with the unique gifts, talents and time that God has given them by his grace. Okay. We saw this in the passage, right? The church was increasing in numbers, okay? And thus its its need for those who would serve in the various ministries increased too. Right? And the apostles were thinking logically and with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they, they said, well, you know, since God has given us the growth numerically, we have the resources in the body to meet the needs that the body has. Okay? This is a beautiful thing. <laughs> How God has designed the church to be a kind of self-sustaining organism, so to speak. I'm not saying the church is not reliant on God. It it absolutely is. But, But get this. God has gifted the church to the church. God has gifted the church to the church. So that as the church grows, while uh, the grow, as growth increases the church's needs, it simultaneously increases its ability to meet its needs with the gifts, talents, and time that the individual members contribute. Are you following me? Amen. Okay. And because the community of the church is a gospel community... The gospel is the driving motivation for the individual members all pitching in together to meet the collective needs. In other words, let's just say when a 100 or more adults, okay, covenant together and say, I am going to give generously to this church. Financially, and with the skills and the knowledge I I have that can help it be more efficient and and effective, and with the, the time that it takes to do that, and I'm, I'm going to do that because God has first been so gracious and generous to me by providing me with all that I have and, and saving me. That's a beautiful thing to see, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a healthy biblical church. And that's, that's what we want, right? That's what we want. You know, in, in church world... Among other church pastors and and leaders, there's a little phrase that most of us know. It's a rule, okay? It's called the 80-20 rule. Here's what it means. It means that usually, in any given church, there are 20% of the people doing 80% of the work, or 20% of the people giving 80% of the budget, right? And, And on the flip side... 80% 80% of the people pretty much just you know, just attending and maybe you know, doing a thing here or there, throwing a 20 in the offering bucket now and again, which to be clear, um, we're grateful for and we will gladly use for the kingdom of God. Um, but this is not what we see in Scripture, is it? This is not what we see in Scripture. In Scripture, we see a vision cast of 100% of the people engaged in 100% of the work so that no one is overloaded. A phrase I like to use as kind of a new rule, a more redemptive rule that we strive for here is is high ownership, low burden. Okay, High ownership, low burden. It means the opposite of the 80-20 rule. It means that if all of the members of the church have high ownership and are willing and happy to give of their gifts and talents and time, then everyone can bear a low burden, right? If, if everyone's willing to give whatever it takes for the church to grow and be faithful on the mission, then no one has to feel like they're carrying more than everyone else, okay? And to be clear, I didn't come up with this. This is the biblical model, okay? Uh, and people have articulated this well before me. Uh, maybe you've heard the expression, uh, many hands make light work, Right. That's the vision of serving within the context of the local church. So let, me, let me show you a few places where the New Testament speaks to this. <clears throat> In 1 Peter 4, this is what the Apostle Peter says. He says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Everybody pitches in with what they've got, right? It doesn't matter what the Lord has given you compared to, to someone else, right? You just use what the Lord has given you to love and serve the family, to glorify Jesus, Amen. right? And, and just so you know, I'm not, I'm not proof texting uh, and pulling one passage out of its context to prove a point. Let, let me read another passage to you from Romans chapter 12. Where the apostle Paul articulates this very same sentiment, Romans 12, uh, starting in verse 4, here's what Paul says. He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, And our serving, the one who teaches and his teaching, the one who exhorts and his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. So, so you can you can see here between these two passages back to back that Paul and Peter writing at different times, different churches, because they believe the same gospel and are full of the same Holy Spirit, they're telling people the same thing. Right? Here's how I would paraphrase it, okay? As people with the the gospel on our hearts and the end in view, we are called to contribute to and build up the local body of Christ so it can continue to increase in strength and faithfulness, all right? So first of all, those who are members of Mosaic, right, and and any biblical church have the gospel on their hearts, all right? Every person who becomes a covenant member of this body of believers to the best of our elders' ability to discern has been born again, right? Which means they believe the gospel, right? They believe the gospel, that that Jesus lived the perfect life for him, that he died a substitutionary, atoning death on the cross to pay for all of their sins, past, present, and future, and then he triumphantly rose again to give them hope of eternal life and now, as a result, they live their lives with Jesus, not just as their Savior, but also as their Lord, who guides and, and directs their life according to his will. Right? That's, that's what I mean by saying we have the gospel on our hearts. Right? But also, as disciples of Jesus and members of his body, we're called to be people with the end in view. Aren't we? This is an important aspect of our motivation as Christians and getting the gospel out to those who are lost and in need of hope. There's going to be an end to all this. Okay. There's going to be an end to all of this. Jesus is going to return, and when he returns, that will mark the end of history as we know it before Jesus makes all things new. And let me tell you, there's no do-overs. Okay. There's no do-overs. If you trusted Jesus, this is how the Bible reads, if you trusted Jesus, you're safe. You're reconciled to God forever. But the scripture says it's appointed to man once to die and then comes judgment. So for those who have not trusted Jesus, there's only sad separation from God forever, right? So so as the church, uh, we have the end in view. This is a a big part of why we serve one another. The, The church Church should redeem the term YOLO, right? Make it not you only live once, but you only die once. Yodo does not sound as cool. Um, <laughs> my, my point is, um, we're people whose message is don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. There is a God, and there is an eternity after this, and you can know Him and be reconciled to him through faith in Jesus. Don't waste your life. And this is part of our motivation for serving, because while, while none of us can do everything that the church needs done, all of us together can do a lot. Right? And as we each individually contribute to the needs of the church with what we have to give, we build up the church. That's the biblical language. We we build up the church and we help it to gain momentum on mission. As we we all chip in with our gifts and and talents and time, the church grows in its strength and its faithfulness. This is the connection between mission and serving. Do you see it? If the church is, and we say this and when we talk about in our, our members' classes and things, if the church is... The vehicle for the kingdom of God in the world, okay, which we believe it is. As it grows, it takes more and more people to keep it maintained by by loving one another, being hospitable to each other, right? Caring, giving, serving one another. This is like the oil, okay? This is like the oil that keeps it running smoothly. If we don't serve one another, and the collective church body together, then the vehicle falls into disrepair, it seizes up, and it breaks down. Okay? It, it needs constant maintenance. It needs TLC right, to, to keep running well and, and taking the gospel out into the world. Just a, now, just a side note here as well. Um, our serving one another... As the body of Christ, it has a side effect, too. It, it, it validates our message, doesn't it, when we serve one another? It validates our gospel message. I'll never forget one time I officiated a wedding for a Christian couple down in Destin a few years back, and they, they wanted to visit Mosaic before they went back home to Atlanta where they, where they live. And after the service, I connected with the bride was like, man, we, we loved worshiping with you guys. She said, when we came in, everyone just wanted to know us. Everyone just wanted to know us. And this is because our hospitality team was serving, right? Those volunteers on that team, they made the couple feel welcome and valued. And that's attractive, isn't it? That's attractive, on another occasion, there was a young military couple who had been attending a while. They were uh, tr- to, we were trying to get them plugged into community. And she just had a baby, I think, and uh, he was about to leave for training or, or something like that. And so our community group set up a, a meal calendar for her and the kids, and just started showing up with dinner every night. And uh, she said, you know, "We've always relied on the community of the military to be there for us, but this is a kind of community that far surpasses what the military has to offer." Right? It was because. The believers in this gospel community serve them. I don't even know how many times people have told me, and the reason they got plugged in the mosaic was because their kids loved our kids' ministry. And we're learning about Jesus and being taught the Bible at their appropriate age level. And that's because men and women are giving of their time every single week to come alongside. And serve children and families. The the examples are, are countless, but my point is that just as we see in Scripture, as people with the gospel on our hearts and the end in view, we're called to contribute to and build up the local body of Christ so that it can continue to increase in strength and in faithfulness. And when we do that together, when we serve together, it's compelling. It validates the gospel message that we preach, and it draws more people into the body of Christ. This is what Jesus was saying when he said, people will know that you're really my disciples by how you love one another, yeah. right? The most, one of the most tangible ways that we see our love for one another is how we serve one another. So uh, hopefully you see the connection between serving one another within the local church, and the mission of the church, to make more disciples. Serving is like the oil on the gears that keeps the church running smoothly so it can continue to build up its strength and momentum on the mission. But but finally, I want to jump back. I want to hit the point we touched on earlier, that that serving within the body of Christ, it's it's not just something for uh, a few really committed or, or really talented people. Um, it's, it's something for all of us, all right? In, in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul, once again, you, we see that he uses this language of a body that we already saw. Listen to what he says here, um, picking it up in, in verse 12. He says, "'For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body.'" Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now, I love this passage, okay? First of all, because it makes a great case for church membership, doesn't it? (laughs) If people are floating around trying to be Christians apart from and detached from a church body, the Bible says that's unusual, okay? Like, let me just put it this way. If I'm, if I'm taking a walk in my neighborhood with my kids, and, and I, as I'm walking, I find a human hand laying in the road, <laughs> I'm going to be very troubled, and I'm going to call the police, Because either a terrible accident or a crime has been committed, right? Hands are meant to be attached to arms and arms to torsos and torsos to heads and legs. And if that's not the case, it's not good. It's not right. And same with Christians. They're meant to be attached to church bodies. Okay. Also, put it another way. If I see that someone has lost a limb, man, I feel for them. Like, that has got to be so incredibly difficult, right? My three-year-old daughter, Piper, she saw someone with a prosthetic leg the other day. And she said, Daddy, why does he have a robot leg? <laughs> and trying not to laugh, I said, well, just kids are so silly. Um, trying not to laugh, I said, well, because because he lost his leg somehow. Um, A church with members who don't show up and don't serve each other is like someone with a prosthetic leg. It's there, but it doesn't quite work like it's supposed to. It's not as effective and not as fruitful as a leg should be. You have to take it along with you instead of it coming along with you like it should, right? Okay, you get the picture. The point is, just like there is no single part of the human body that serves no purpose, every man and woman in the body of Christ has great worth and value to add to their community of believers, Every man and woman in the body of Christ has great worth and value to add to their community of believers. Paul, you know, Paul says it might be important to have a mouth, but that mouth can't get anywhere to say anything to anyone unless the feet are in on it. Right? So in that way, while while some members might seem to have more prominent roles they're totally reliant on the other members with different but also crucial roles. Hey, this brother doesn't know I'm about to say this, but you guys know there's a, there's a high school boy who pretty much runs our, our production booth every week. Do you know that? His name's Gabriel Beam. He shows up, he probably hates I'm doing this right now, he shows up every, nearly every, every Sunday when it's just the leaders here getting ready And he stays all the way through to the end of the service because without him, the slides don't show up on the screen. And that serving role, the person who does that, has to be here for the whole service. You might not have ever even met him, but if he wasn't here, you would realize it pretty quick because you wouldn't be able to sing the words in the songs, right? If you don't know the songs, you wouldn't see the points in the sermons, right? Another example I'm not going to say this brother's name because I don't think he would want credit. But I found out the other day that, um, you know, the ice, the coffee bar, all the creamers out there we've had, the the fun candy flavors and the seasonal pumpkin spice and the the peppermint mocha and all that, you know. You just got to have it, you know. Like, um, (laughs) (laughs) Mm. (laughs) not fall without pumpkin spice. Um, (laughs) There's. There's a a dear brother who's not here right now who who was just, I found out, he was just buying that ice and that creamer every week, week in and week out, for over a year because he knew that our budget was tight. The ice costs about $10 a week, and the creamer was probably at least $20 a month. I'll let you do the math on that. If you've been getting coffee, he was... (laughs) joyfully and gladly serving you every week because he loves his church body and he wanted to do what he could to serve as unto the Lord. There are actually several guys in our body like that who just kind of quietly, they just meet needs as they see them, not, not interested in recognition because their reward doesn't come from men. And I could go on and on. Hospitality team members who faithfully serve every week. Kids ministry teachers who, who go into their own pocket to make lessons interactive and fun for our kids to learn the gospel. Band members who serve every week and practice on Thursday nights. They're not getting, a lot of them not getting paid for this. And they do other production-related things throughout the week so that we can all have a, a great time singing on Sunday mornings. Amen? Amen. Our band does a great job right? Every single week. Finance team members helping keep our books clean and and orderly throughout the the year. Facilities team members coming up and fixing things that break all the time, right? they Just just like we have to do that at our own homes. A church building's like that too. And some of these brothers are like, they treat this church building like it's their own home, the way they fix things here, pitch in here, and, and do new things here, right? Church, each... And every one of us has a role to fill, or maybe more than one, depending on our gifts, talents, and time. Just like there's no single part of the human body that serves no purpose, every man and woman in the body of Christ has great worth and value to add to their community of believers. Okay, I love this quote from JD, Pastor J.D. Greer in his book, Gaining by Losing. He says, ordinary people, people with problems and faults and stubborn habits and personal weakness can be used mightily in the mission of God because it's not about their abilities to do things for God, but about his ability to work through them. So with that, I have just one final question to end this final sermon in this series, What Now? How will you commit or recommit to your God-given privilege and responsibility to serve Jesus' church in 2023? How will you do that? Because the question is not, hopefully I've, I've labored enough to help you see this, the question is not, do you have anything of value to add here? That's not the question. The question is, when can you start? When can you start? If you love Jesus and you want to be a part of this family, come on in. Come on in. There's plenty to do. The more we grow together, the more there is to do. Right? And you are a part. You are a part of God's solution for graciously meeting the needs that arise within this church body. And like I said earlier, the more the merrier. The more the merrier. The more of us who are committed to the work, the easier and frankly the more fun, okay, the work becomes because we do it as a team. Hashtag Team Jesus, right? So, so as you leave today, in the back right corner of the sanctuary, there's there's a table back there this week with, with four clipboards. Um, on the clipboards are a place for your name and your email, and then a series of check boxes for for three of our most important serve teams. Uh, we have other teams, as I've already let on, other teams, but um, the way to get involved really in our church is, is usually jump in on one of these core three teams and then get to know people and get into other things as the needs arise. That's kind of how it works, okay? Um, there's, first of all, there's a hospitality team, and my lovely wife leads that team, and that team is super important to the life of our church, okay? That is the team responsible for greeting and guiding everyone who comes into this service on Sunday mornings. But also, I can't overstate this. I don't think that team is responsible for a lot of the families who have gotten connected here over the years. Because it's a team where you can meet new people and and learn their names and invite them into this gospel community with us, right? So many people get connected to the church through the service of the hospitality team, okay? Um, Also, there's our kids and and student ministry teams. And again, these are, are so important. Serving for an hour and a half a month on a Sunday morning can literally make an eternal impact in the lives of our kids. This is a missional team. Do you see that? It's a missional team. Because those volunteers are are teaching the Bible and sharing the gospel with our kids every single week. And and I can attest, my own kids have seriously benefited from those servant-hearted men and women who have been committed to them, growing as little disciples over the years. My ministry at home and pastoring and loving, leading my family has been more effective because of our kids' ministry here and those great men and women who, who serve there. These, these teams, the kids' ministry, student ministry, in and, and large part, they're staffed by parents. <laughs> you know that? In large part, they're staffed by parents. So uh, if you have kids, consider jumping in and serving our kids. One thing you've probably seen at Mosaic, we have a lot of kids. <laughs> it's something we do really well. Uh, on, on any given Sunday right now, we have about 120 to 130 um, people here, and a quarter of them are kids. That's a lot. It's like bigger churches have less kids than us. Uh, And this this is a huge blessing, but it's also a hugely important stewardship for us, right, from the Lord. We take shepherding their little hearts seriously. And so if you think that's as important as we do, we'd love for you to jump in on that team. Finally, there's, there's the worship team. Band, The band, the production team. Now, I will say, this is the only team with a real caveat, okay? Uh, You don't need any skills, any prior skills to serve on the production team because we will train you, okay? For the worship band, um, there'll be a little audition. So if you sing like William Hung, um, you're totally welcome to sing here. You just probably won't be allowed to do it with a microphone on the stage. Okay. Please keep singing. We would love singing together. Okay. But also in all seriousness on the on the serving sign up forms back there there's a place on the end for notes okay and so if you have a preference or a skill or something you want us to know about like if you're a, a school teacher that's your job or so you're great with young kids or you know you're a handyman you can fix anything like i think the ladies restroom toilets leaking today so you know write that on there so we can call you but um or if you're like if you like Phil Collins on the drums like let us know that all right <laughs> Um, We want you to serve where where you're skilled, okay? Um, So write that on there. But like I said, wherever you want to jump in, jump in. Like, I worked at a restaurant for several years before I became pastor here at Mosaic. It was a humbling experience, really difficult work. And uh, there was an old seasoned line cook named Mo who used to say, get in where you fit in. (laughs) Get in where you fit in. That just meant... Look at what needs to be done and just start doing it, right? The church is kind of like that. If you love Jesus, you already fit in. So just get in, just get in. There's a family of brothers and sisters in Christ who would love to have you join us. I'll close with just one more quote from a pastor and author, Joel Beek, who said it this way. He said, one of our greatest rewards as Christians, is to serve people. If the result is watching them draw closer to Christ through the Spirit's blessing upon God's word and our efforts, what more could we possibly ask for? (laughs) I love that. Serving one another, just like sharing the gospel, is a privilege. It's a privilege and a, a critical aspect of the mission of Jesus' church. It, it allows us to be a part of the work that God is doing in people's lives. And so, you serving on any of the teams that I just mentioned gives you the opportunity to see other people grow in their faith in Christ. And as you do it, you'll grow in your faith too. Okay? What more could we ask for than that? Right? All right. So, get in where you fit in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, the more that I have the humbling opportunity to get up here every week, to do this thing that I do not deserve, to proclaim your word, God, I am just blown away by how sufficient it is. It's all that we need for life and godliness. And so we thank you for your instruction that you've given to us through the prophets and the apostles and in the last days, your final word in Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for your word. God, I pray today that it wouldn't render void. I pray that this body would be excited. These men and women here would be excited about, God, what is, this is not a, this is not a religious duty. None of these things are meant to be religious duties. They're meant to be privileges that we, we get to be involved in your work, Father. God, the, the work that you're doing in the world, drawing, graciously drawing, mercifully drawing a people unto yourself with this ministry of reconciliation through the blood of Christ. God, thank you that we get to be a part of that. God, would we not view it in a way that it's like a, a jail sentence or something or Just something we have to do if we really want to be a part of this church. God, will we see it as the privilege that it is? And will we serve all of us, God? Will we serve with joy? Because we know that as we're serving one another, we're we're strengthening the faith of one another. We're building up the body of Christ as the vehicle for your kingdom in the world. God, will we think of it that way? Think rightly of it that way. And be a church that loves one another and serves one
0: another.